Hello, Inspire friends and family. This is Pastor Philip Muella. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. But before we start, I got some exciting news and we need your help. Inspire Church was awarded a matching grant that promises to quadruple every financial contribution we receive up to $10,000 from now until the end of February. This means for every dollar contributed, we get $4. For every $100, we get $400. For every $1,000, we get $4,000. This is a game changer for all God is calling Inspired Church to do in 2021. Would you consider making a contribution today and helping us accomplish our goal? If so, please go to inspirechurches.com and click our 10 for 40 initiative. There, follow three easy steps and watch your contribution quadruple for the glory of God. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're blessed by this message. Good morning, everybody. So glad that you are joining us. My name is Roger. I'm one of the pastors here at Inspire Church. And I have a question for you. Ready? Here it is. Are you aware? You say, uh, I don't know. Am I aware of what? Well, starting tomorrow, Inspire Church, together, we are doing, for the first time, a 21-day fast and prayer. Um, And during this time, the win, the goal, the purpose is so that way we as a church can become more aware of God's presence, more aware of who He is to us more aware of what he's doing in us and more aware of what he desires to do through us. Now, last week, Pastor Phil broke down everything that we are going to be doing during these 21 days. And I'm very excited as we become awakened, as our, as our spiritual lives become more reformed, um, and we begin to, uh, just sort of get a spiritual awakening to God. And I think all of us could use that right now. One of the things that we're going to be doing during these 21 days is we are going to highlight a resource every week. And I'm really excited about this week's resource. Um, It is an interview. It's a podcast with Pastor Pete Scazzaro, who wrote all of the um, Emotionally Healthy book series. Um, And he sits down with a Christian monk and they discuss the four stages of prayer. Now, this podcast is insightful. It's informative. It's inspiring. And it is just a great podcast to help stir you and sort of guide you as we go through this journey of these 21 days of prayer and fasting. So go to the website, inspirechurches.com, go to the resource page, and you will find a link to the podcast there. Make sure you check it out. Before we go any further, I want to say thank you, Pastor Ed. He is the pastor of Movement Church, and this is his office that we are in. He was kind enough to let us come here um, because during these 21 days, we are going to be doing sermons from a study. And so these are going to be sort of shorter messages than what maybe we're accustomed to. But that's because after this is done, we want everybody to jump on to a Zoom lounge to give an opportunity for community, for dialogue. It's going to be amazing. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into today's teaching. Heavenly Father, I thank you for um, being a God that gives us access to you. 
Lord Jesus, I thank you, Heavenly Father, because what you did on the cross and the empty tomb has allowed us to come to the Heavenly Father and to bring to him our lives, our hearts, um, to have communication and communion. And Lord God, I pray that as we go into your word today, that Lord, that we will begin to have a better understanding of what prayer is. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The title of today's message is Prayer, It's Not what you think. Um, this scripture that I want to use today actually comes from John uh, chapter 14, uh, and it starts in verse 12 through 15. And so I want to read to you right now. This is what it says. Check it out. It says this, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that my Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Wow, that is a passage that is packed, and we are going to try to unpack that right now. So the night before Jesus dies, uh, what he is doing is he is training his disciples. He's getting them ready because he is sending them out into the world to represent him. Just like God sent Jesus into the world to say the things he said and do the things he did, and those things got him killed. Now Jesus is sending us out into the world to say the things he said and do the things he did. And if that's what got Jesus killed, then we should probably expect to have, you know, at least a hard time, right? Um, in other words, he wants us to know that the life that we are walking in that even though it is a Christian life, even though it is a life where he is with us, he is letting us know that there are going to be problems, that we are going to walk through pain and suffering, that there are going to be moments of hardship. In fact, some of you who are watching this can attest to that very thing. And so what Jesus is doing here in John chapter 14 is uh, he is he, he's giving him his disciples sort of gifts for the journey. It's almost like that scene in Lord of the Rings, right? Where the Fellowship of the Rings, that they have found themselves now in these woods, these elvish woods, and sort of uh, the, the, the lady of the wood, this powerful elf, she ends up giving each of them gifts. If you remember, uh, you know, uh, daggers and swords and, and vials and different things like that for their journey. Well, Jesus is doing the same thing, really. He, he's giving them gifts for this journey as they are going out into the world. And one of those gifts, are you ready for it? Is prayer. Prayer. Now, if you hear that and you say, oh, that, yeah, well, you know, what else? What else is there? You know, what's the, what's the other gift? Um, I don't think that you quite understand the mighty power of what prayer 
is. It's a mighty gift. And and he's giving you and I, he's given us this amazing gift to get us ready for as we journey through a difficult life. And so we're going to take a look at this brief passage. Um, and in fact, even though I'll refer to all the verses that we just read, I'm really going to look at verse 13, because verse 13 really gives us all the foundations for prayer that we really need. And so here's what we're going to do. There's going to be four things that it shows us. Uh, Number one, the power of prayer. Number two, the conditions of prayer. Number three, the purpose of prayer. And number four, the foundations of prayer. And, And this is all locked in verse 13. Let me show you. Look what it says. It says, and uh, I will do whatever you ask. That's the power of prayer. Then he says, in my name, that's the condition of prayer, so that the Father may be glorified. That's the purpose of prayer in the Son. That's the foundation of prayer. So the power of prayer, the conditions of prayer, the purpose of prayer, and the foundations of prayer. So point number one the power of prayer. There's a story of this boy who was praying and he started to pray very boisterous and very loud. And he said, dear Lord, I really pray that I get this bicycle for Christmas. God, and he's yelling as loud as he can. He's saying, God, I really pray that I get the bike that is down at the corner store, Lord, the the red one, the red one that's in the window. And pretty soon his other brother looks at him and says, why are you yelling? God is not deaf. And the little boy says, no, but grandma is. (laughs) And sometimes we kind of look at prayer in those ways, especially with a verse like this. So point number one, power of prayer. Jesus says, I will do whatever you ask. Now, It is so tempting, so tempting for me as a pastor to begin to to, to say, well, wait a minute, what it doesn't mean is this. Let me tell you what that does not mean first and begin to look at the conditions, right? But because any text taken out of context can become a pretext for a proof text. And we don't want that because that begins to give us all sorts of distortions about who God is. So so let me put this text into context. Jesus is sending his disciples into the world. It's a missional passage, and he's going to equip them to do great works. And he says, listen, don't forget this gift of prayer. And, And this gift of I'll do whatever you ask, it's being given to people who are passionate in mission, who, who want to go out there and serve the world as those who love our Lord Jesus Christ and Savior and who want to uh, love them and proclaim to them the gospel. So when he says, I'll give you whatever you want, it's whatever you want, whatever you ask that is in mission, right? In the name of the glory of God. So, so, so there are caveats to this, right? And, and we're going to get to those in just a few minutes, but I want to take uh, a moment to stop and to just look for a second at the power of prayer, the power right there. Because let's let's boil down on what it is that 
God is saying. The Lord of the universe is basically saying, you ask, I do. Did you catch that? The Lord of the universe is saying that you ask and I do. That's the verbs that he's using, right? In fact, in James chapter 5, James is commenting on what happened with Elijah. And he basically says this. He says, prayer can have great power and produce wonderful results. What's interesting is a man by the name of John Calvin, some of you may have heard of him before, um, John Calvin, who, who believes that God is in control of all things. In fact, he, he believes that, um, that, that every single thing that happens, God has his hand in and God is, is orchestrating. Um, and, and notice what he says when he begins to comment on this passage of James and this uh, episode of what happened with Elijah, this is what he says. He says, quote, it was a notable event for God to put heaven in some sense under the control of Elijah's prayers to be obedient to his requests from Elijah. John Calvin, what he's saying there is that the power of prayer is God in his goodness has made the world susceptible to our prayers. Wow. So, so, there's, so there's power in prayer. We can, I just want us to see that, that there's power in prayer. But there's not just power. There's something else that comes with that. There's conditions. So point number two, the condition of prayer. Notice what he says. He says, I will do whatever you ask in my name. You see that? In my name. This is probably the most famous condition to prayer. And, it de- and what it depends on is not just... Um, in the asking, but the asking in his name. So, so what does it mean to ask in the name of Jesus? Does it mean that you just ask whatever you want, you just slap in the name of Jesus at the end? No, it doesn't. It, it at least means two things. Uh, number one, who you are. And number two, why you come. Number one, who you are. And number two, why you come. So who you are. It, see, in Jesus's day, um, how did you get someone's name put on you? Well, it was through marriage or adoption. Now, of course, we know that the Bible uses the metaphor of adoption um, to convey the nature of prayer. Um, and so we have to think of and understand that when we pray in the name of Jesus, it is with the understanding that we have been adopted. In fact, when Jesus teaches us to pray, he says to pray to our Father, right? John 12 says this, he says, many has received him who believed on his name. He has given the right to become children of God. The right to become children of God. Do you notice that language there? See, with prayer, you've got to see it and understand it as your right because you are adopted. It's legal, it's legal language. And the New Testament over and over again um, lets us and causes us to understand that, that as a Christian, prayer has become our right. 
And it, it does not mean that God does not answer the prayers of non-believers because we can see in certain situations that he does. But in those particular circumstances, there's no agreement. There, there's no covenant that, that says the Father is open to hearing your prayer. But, but when you are a Christian, all that changes. So to come in Jesus' name mean, means to come um, as a Christian. It, it, it means that you come as an adopted son and daughter of Jesus Christ. But the second thing that it means is that it doesn't just have to do with who you are when you come to God. So when the Father hears your prayers, He's hearing them through His Son, right? You are coming in his, in the name of Jesus. But not just who you are, but it also has to do with why. Why you come. It has something to do with the motives of your heart. Um, to, to come in the name of Jesus, to pray in the name of Jesus, to come before the Father in the name of Jesus means that you're not coming on your own name. That's what it means. There was a famous preacher, R.A. Terry, who uh, was around about 100 years ago, very famous preacher that traveled the world. And one day he was in Australia, and as he was making his way up to the uh, platform to uh, preach the gospel, an anonymous letter was handed to him. Um, and I want to read to you this letter, and the topic that he was talking about that night was unanswered prayer. And this is what the letter said. It said this, Dear Doctor, I am in great perplexity I have been praying for a long time for something I am confident is in accordance with God's will, but I, I don't get it. He hasn't answered. Now, I've been a, a member of my Presbyterian church for 30 years, um, and I am consistent in attendance. The entire time, I've been the superintendent, uh, superintendent of the Sunday school uh, for 25 years, and I've been an elder for 20 years, yet God has not answered my prayer. I cannot understand it. Can you help me? Well, uh, R.A. Terry took this letter um, up to the platform with him, and he read it out loud. And what he ended up saying was, the reason that God probably isn't answering your prayers because you're coming in your own name. D do you catch that? He said, I don't get why God's not answering my prayer. I, I've been superintendent for this for, for 20 years, and I've been an elder for, for 25 years, and, and I've been attending church. And, 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 and he's, he's saying, look at all of the things that I have done. Look at all the accomplishments, all of the sacrifices, all of the, the things that I have done. And so because I have done those things, I don't see why God is not answering my prayer. Well, see, you are coming in your own name. You are coming before the Father and you're saying, God, the reason you should answer my prayer is because look at all the things. Look how long I've served you. Look at what I've given up for you. Look at all the things that I've done for you. This is why you should answer my prayer. <laughs> but that's not coming in the name of Jesus. That's coming in your own name, friend. You see, the condition... When Jesus says, I'll do whatever you ask, the condition of that is that you're coming in his name. And once again, the book of James, which is a great book 
uh, about that, that you can learn a lot from about prayer. But but in chapter four and five, there's another uh, great statement that he makes. But it's specifically in chapter four, verses two and three, he makes these statements that that almost seem to conflict each other. That they're, they're somewhat different, but they're crucial on your motives to coming to God in prayer. Let's read them really quick. James chapter 4, 2 through 3, says this, verse 2, You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. Now notice this. You do not have because you do not ask. Then verse 3, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. So James is saying, wait a minute, you don't have because you don't ask. But then he says, wait a minute, well, you are asking, but when you do ask, you're not receiving. So what, what is James really saying here? Well, James is trying to let us know that motives matter. And, and this is why, because if God gave you the things um, that uh, your heart uh, was desiring for the wrong motives, it, it would destroy you. It would destroy you. He says you ask, but you don't receive because you want to spend it on selfish desires. Let, let, let me give you an example. I could give you a million, right? But let me give you one, which is this. Um, if you're praying, you say, Lord, uh, I, you know, please give me this job. I, I really want this job. And maybe God knows that if he gives you that job, that you will begin to put your career before family. You'll begin to put your career before your health. You'll begin to put your career before church, before community. You'll even begin to put your career before God himself. And so he doesn't give it to you, right? And it's because God understands the motive of your heart, but God also understands what is best? God says, I'm not going to let you destroy yourself by getting these things you've asked for wrongly that would only take those the, the, the bad things of your heart and make them stronger. And then in verse 2, what he says, he says, well, you don't have it because you don't ask. Well, wait a minute. Why, why would God hold back good things just because we haven't asked for them? Well, God's actually saying, listen, I, I have tons of good things to give you, right? But it, and, I, and I want to, but it wouldn't be safe to give them to you unless you fervently prayed for them. It wouldn't be safe. Because if God just handed them out, right, then, then it would give all of us sort of this pseudo or fake over-independence. It, it, it would actually cloud our reality um, and our understanding how we need to depend on God for everything. We would begin to think, oh, I don't need God. Look, look, look at everything that's happening, right? So at some point, you're probably thinking right now, okay, okay, Pastor Roger, I hear what you're saying. What you're saying is, well, uh, okay, God will give us anything we ask for, but not really, right? He'll give us anything we want, but, mm, well, there's actually... There's actually some caveats there. There's some conditions. And at one level, yes. And at one level, no. See, when Jesus asks, when Jesus says, ask whatever you want in my name and I'll do it. 
Um, that's true. It's true. He will. He'll do it if you're coming in his name, not in your own. And if you understand the purpose of prayer. So number one, the power of prayer. Number two, the conditions of prayer. But now number three, you have to understand the purpose of prayer. Look, look what he says. I will do whatever you ask in my name. But he doesn't end there. He says this, so that the Father may be glorified. You see that? Um, if you use something um, and you use it in a way that it was not meant to be used, it was not created to be used, right? You're not using it within its purpose, then you shouldn't complain if the, if the thing doesn't work. Let me give you an example. Uh, if you go and buy a space heater and that heater is designed to heat up a small bedroom, let's say, and you want to cook your breakfast on it and the food doesn't come out right, you can't complain that the room heater didn't do its job. No, you were not using it for its purpose. So, so what's the purpose of prayer? Because many times you say, Pastor Roger, I've prayed. I've prayed and yeah, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And it, it, listen, what's the purpose of prayer? Write this down. The purpose of prayer is not to get God to satisfy your desires immediately but to set your heart on the things that will, that will satisfy your desires ultimately. Let me say that again. The purpose of prayer is not to get God to satisfy your desires immediately, but to set your heart on the things that will satisfy your desires ultimately. What do I mean? There's a great uh, letter that I think expresses this beautifully. St. Augustine wrote to a woman named Anicia, A-N-I-C-I-A. You can actually Google this and read the whole letter for yourself. It's a powerful letter. Um, but Anicia was this sort of noble, wealthy woman. And, that's, and, that, and the reason I'm bringing that up is because it's going to mean something in just a minute. And he writes, uh, he writes this letter because she asks him, you know, how should I pray? And what, and what he says to her is this. He says, listen, before you ask God for anything, he says, I need you to set something in your mind. And he says this, he says, you must account yourself desolate in the world, however prosperous you may be. Now, now he's telling this to a noble, wealthy woman. He said, you have to count yourself desolate in the world, regardless of how prosperous you may be. He says, in other words, what he says is this, you have to understand that all of the health and all of the wealth and all of, all of the human accolades and, and all of the things that you can accumulate and all the approval and all the power and all the sex and all that uh, and all of that stuff that is out there in the world that you might find desirable, you have to understand that it will never bring you lasting happiness or satisfaction. None of it at all will bring you lasting happiness or satisfaction, right? And so, and he goes on to say that the honor that you're looking for, the love that you're looking for, the satisfaction, the fulfillment that you're looking for, you will only find in the arms of God. In fact, Augustine has a famous quote and it goes like this. He said, God, you made us for yourself and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. You say, okay, okay, 
So the purpose of prayer, the purpose of prayer is not to get God to satisfy my immediate desires, but it rather to set my heart on the things uh, that will uh, that that my that that will satisfy my desires ultimately, right? And and so it's and so the purpose of prayer is for the glory of God, right? Okay, well, Pastor Roger, what does that mean exactly? Well, well let me explain. When you only see God's power, then you'll go after what's in his hands. When you see God's glory, you'll go after what's in his heart. See, if you only look to God's power, then you're only going to go to him for things, right? For the things he can give you. But when you see his glory, you begin to, to, to go after him because you love him, because, because of his beauty, because of his greatness, Right now I'm reading a book by D.A. Carson called Praying with Paul, and he says something pretty powerful. He, he says this, he says, effective prayer is the fruit of a relationship with God, not a technique for acquiring blessing. Wow. When you begin to grasp this, when you begin to understand the purpose of prayer is, is not so I can become consumeristic in my relationship with God, right? The purpose of prayer isn't so I can go before God and give him all these things and, and demand that he answers them my way, right? The, but rather the purpose of prayer is to glorify God. When you and I understand that, then we can ask God for a really happy life, but we're gonna do it in a completely different way, completely different way. And you're gonna respond in a different way than when things do not go exactly the way that you asked. What, what's interesting is oftentimes when we pray to be happy, what, what we're really doing is we're really looking at other people. We're looking at other people's life and we're saying, wait a minute, that person's my age. We're the same age, but it seems like they're having a better life than me. Wait a minute, that person, we have the same education level and yet they seem to be more successful than me. Uh, wait a second, that person over there, they have the same, uh, you know, uh, career that I do, or they have the same title that I do. We begin to look at people and compare, and we begin to say, wait a minute, because my life doesn't look like theirs, and, and, I, and I want to be happy, we begin to pray for those desires, right? But see, when you understand the purpose of prayer, then you begin to uh, look and understand what it is that, that Augustine was saying when he says that you have to count yourself desolate regardless of how prosperous your circumstances. Because at that point, you're not coming to Jesus in his name, right? No, you, you want that thing too much. It, it's too important to you. you. You've lost the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is not to get God to satisfy your immediate desires, Right? And most of the time what happens is, is we are praying for things that we desire too much. And this is where we mess up. Write this down. We mess up when we make good things ultimate things instead of God. 
We mess up when we make good things. Jobs are good things. Wanting to be, you know, a good parent is a good thing. Wanting to pray for your kids to succeed, those are great things. But when you begin health, that's a great thing. These are good things, but when you begin to make them ultimate things, that's where we mess up. You say, okay, well then how, how do you pray? Well, when you begin to understand uh, the purpose of prayer, that it's to glorify the Father, then how you pray even looks different. For, for, for instance, if you're praying for that job, it, it would go something you know like this. You'd say, uh, Lord Jesus, I, I could really use that job. Um, I think that job would be good for me. So God, please give it to me if in the grand scheme of things, it makes me the person you want me to be. Or, or maybe you're praying about moving, right? And you're like, Lord Jesus, let me get that house, right? Let me get that apartment. Let, let, let me get approved. And, and But have you stopped to ask God, well, wait a second. Are you moving because it's going to somehow make you uh, happier um, because you feel like you've achieved something? Or are you moving because you said, you know what, God, I feel like you're calling me here because this neighborhood could use me um, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and to make disciples. What's the motive behind it? What's the motive? There's a quote, and I forget who said this, but he said this, he said, God always gives you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he knows. God always gives you what you would have asked for if you knew everything that he knows. My, my great-grandmother used to say it this way. He, she, she'd say, Roger, we pray to God for oak trees and God answers with acorns. <laughs> he doesn't always answer the way that we, we think he would, but when we understand the purpose of prayer is to glorify the Father, then the way we respond to God when we when He when our life does not look the way that we think it should, is understanding that God, I trust you, and what I really want, what's going to ultimately make my life happy, is to glorify you. Once you understand the purpose of prayer, that changes who God is to you, what he's doing in you, and what he desires to do through you. So here's the question as I go to conclude. Here's the, here's the question, you ready? Okay, Roger, I hear what you're saying, but how do I get to a place where I want the glory of God? How, how do I get to a place where I don't, I don't look at these other things as, as being ultimate, but, but that the glory of God is ultimate. How do, how do I get there? Because to be honest, Pastor Roger, when you start talking about glory of God, that, that's a little abstract for me. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm grasping onto that. And so how do I want the glory of God? Why would I want the glory of God? Well, because of number four, the foundation. Look again for the last time. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. The foundation of prayer. The power of prayer, the conditions of prayer, the purpose of prayer. Number four, the foundations of prayer. The foundation of prayer is that it is in the Son. See, when Jesus Christ, the night before he was about to die, talks about glorifying the Father, we know what he was talking about. He was talking about the cross. Therefore, unless you meditate on the death of Jesus Christ, um, unless you get that in your mind and in your heart, 
um, then you're not only going to want to love this God and know this God, but know his glory. See, he, here's how it works. Um, you know, if somebody were to come to me in the name of Queen Elizabeth, I, I don't know how many of you have watched uh, the Netflix show, The Crown, um, but my wife was watching it and I forget what season she was in, um, but I actually sat down and I began to watch a couple minutes of it and it seems so interesting to me. I was like, what is it? She's like, oh, this is The Crown. I'm like, oh, the, oh yeah, I've heard of this. I've heard of this. Uh, and I began to get intrigued and so I began to watch this uh, this uh, network, this sorry Netflix show called The Crown, and and it, it's really interesting. But if 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 you were to come to me in the name of the queen of the Queen Elizabeth, or if I were to go to you in the name of Queen Elizabeth, right, um, you would probably treat me different. You you'd probably wouldn't treat me the way I deserve. Um, but nonetheless, you would treat me with a certain level of respect because I'm coming in the name of Queen Elizabeth, right? Well, what does that mean when we come in the name of Jesus Christ to the Father? Well, what it means is this, is that the door to God of the whole universe is always open. That's what it means. See, why he listens to our prayers, why he answers our prayers are all based on Jesus and all based on the unanswered prayer that Jesus got in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let, let, let me put it this way. Some of you have had shattering experiences when it comes to prayer. Some of you have prayed for things that were very important, very crucial, and it didn't turn out the way that you thought they would. And up to now, some of the answers I've been giving, you might've been thinking, oh, Pastor Roger, I don't know. You feel, I feel like you're kind of weaseling your way out, right? Well, let me just... Let, let me just give you this. Some of you have prayed for abusive husbands to stop being abusive. Some of you have prayed for your child to live and yet they died. Some of you right now are praying for the pain in your body, but it keeps on going. Some of you right now are praying as you're watching your loved ones suffer with dementia. And you're like, God, I just want you to answer my prayer, right? God knows. God himself actually knows the shattering experience of an unanswered prayer. Because when Jesus was in the garden and he saw the wrath that was coming to him, that he was going to have to take, when he saw that the cross was before him and he knew that he was going to suffer for the penalty of sin for the human race because of our sin, he was in the garden and he said, Father, let this cup, that this cup pass from me if it's possible. And you know what he heard back? Nothing. Nothing. He knows what it's like to have unanswered prayer. But see, in many ways, we're like an eight-year-old boy crying because his truck broke. And then somebody comes walking in and says, and says, listen, listen, you don't have to cry. A distant relative just passed away and, and you are inheriting a hundred million dollars. Do you know what that eight-year-old boy is going to do? He's going to keep crying. <laughs> He's going to keep crying. He won't be consoled at all because he doesn't have the capacity to take in all that, uh, to take it all in. All he knows is that he wants a new truck. 
But well, we're like that because God comes in and God says, listen, you've been adopted. You're mine. I love you forever and ever. I put my Holy Spirit in you. You are justified. You are accepted. Your sins have been taken away. And you say, yeah, but can I just get that job? The power of prayer, the conditions of prayer, the purpose of prayer, the foundations of prayer. If we begin to understand this, not only will our whole prayer life be something new, our life in general, our relationship with Christ will look completely different. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this message. I pray, Lord God, that this teaching will be a tool for us to meditate on as we continue these 21 days of prayer and fasting. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's Inspire Churches podcast. Don't forget to share or subscribe to join us every Sunday. You can keep up with Inspire Churches through Instagram at Inspire Churches or on Facebook at facebook.com slash inspirechurches. To support the ministry, you can click on the link in the description or visit us at inspirechurches.com for more information.